0: You're standing in a gladiatorial arena across from your nemesis. As you psych yourself up to take on your foe, a spectral guardian appears next to you. Who is it? Optimus Prime. I was going to say roll dice for it, but okay. No. 11, 9, dig 17. Up yeah. Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime? Yes. You have a spectral guardian of Optimus Prime. Absolutely. Spectral Optimus Prime.
1: Yes. He's just like sitting there whispering like... The power of a hundred autobots is within you, and like just really encouraging you. And you know, the, the matrix of leadership dwells within your soul, and just really like
0: psychs you up. Yeah, that's actually not that bad of a like. I I thought it was a bit ridiculous because you have a spectral robot man, but no, it, I'm with it.
1: Yeah, it, t- I t- mean, you're t- the guy t- who t-
0: plays Warforged, so it makes sense. And I really like Optimus Prime, the yeah. Transformers, yeah, spot cool. on. Adam, what you got? Batman. Yeah, Batman? Batman, Spectral Batman, yeah, but Kevin
2: Conroy Batman, like Batman the animated series, Batman, the one true above all Batman. I completely agree that that Batman, where he just he and he just appears and says nothing, and if somebody comes close, he just kicks their ass. And when you're sitting there, uh, like trying to solve the riddle or whatnot, he steps forward, shines a flashlight on it, and goes, "Hmm," and then hands you a scrap of paper with the answer.
0: Well, Dan, what would you choose? Um, I was I was going to be like like. My one D D character this one time, like you guys went with like the big, big, big guys, and I, I was not prepared. Well, to they that. went
2: with Optimus Prime, and then I, I'm like, oh, pop culture, sure, I can do that. Hold on, can I go bigger than? Yeah, uh...
0: Optimus Prime is like a pretty damn solid answer.
2: It is, it is. That that that's one of the best. So which DD character would yours be?
0: Oh, I, I, I would have uh, pulled Oscar uh, like my my good old fashioned Oscar, uh, a barbarian to just fight for me, right? Or, hell, throw in Mordenkainen. Just bring in Mordenkainen. Let him do his weird magic stuff, and then he could go away. I have Lyndon B. Johnson. Okay, explain.
2: <laughs> For the dick.
1: Jumbo? Yeah.
0: Yeah. For
2: his, like, on the record, massive wang that he would just pull out and intimidate the opponents with. That I, I just summarized his entire presidency, right? Like, oh, yeah. That was. It, that but, and
1: swearing. I mean, yeah. he's literally president. Johnson. John- Johnson, yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it fits.
2: So, yeah, that's why I would I would have President Lyndon B. Johnson.
0: Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry.
1: Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. I am Dave, and with me are. No, you're supposed. You're to. supposed to just say it. So you fucked this up. We give you this one opportunity. One just,
2: opportunity, uh, and you God absolutely fucked it You have each done that. Yeah, that's true. We have.
1: <laughs> we don't. We tend to do it to Derry, too. Whoever's sitting in this chair, we tend to do that. Too. I was listening to one last night, and Derry was like mid drink, and you guys were like, "And,"
0: <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. But we're allowed to. Adam and Dan, we're still. Yeah, yeah. Adam and Dan are here with you doing the barbarian episode. I am Dave, and
1: with me are Dan and Adam, and today. We are asking the hard questions about Barbarians. Twitch. <laughs> I'm glad Terry's not in this one. He'd be, he'd be losing his mind. So this is the second Barbarian episode. Uh, we've already yep. hit the classes that were in the... Players Handbook. Player's Handbook. I got the one out of Skag too.
2: The, the Battle Rager.
1: Yeah. Uh, today we're going to hit Spiky the ones... Dwarf. Yeah. We're going to hit the ones that are in Xanathar's today,
0: which are the Ancestral Guardian, Storm Herald, and the Zealot. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Whenever I played at Barbarian recently since Xanathar's came out, I'm usually playing one of the three out of there. Like I love, I love the flavor of them a little bit more than uh, what the PHB provides. I still think that the Path of the Totem Warrior is probably the
2: classic, the, and in my opinion, the best Barbarian. It is the most Barbarian-y Barbarian out there. There's really cool other things to do with, with them, but if, if you were to take the D&D world, if you go to the Forgotten Realms, Eighty percent of the barbarians that are available there are going to be Path of the Totem Warrior.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, There's going
2: to be just it by population size. There are fewer zealots and ancestral
0: guardians and and berserkers, yeah. right? One one of my problems with the Totem Warrior is uh, you have a discussion with a bunch of people who play D and D, and you're like, "Oh, I play barbarian." And they ask, "Oh, what path?" And you go, "Totem Warrior." And they go, "Of course you are. Bear? Yeah, you're 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 a bear totem. Yeah, right. Why? Because bear totem is ridiculous." It is, but I mean, look, you often complain,
2: you specifically, Dan, as well as the rest of the internet complain about how, oh, the powers aren't enough for this sub class and we, it's not giving us enough. So when they do, when they give you a super powered sub everyone complains it's overpowered. Like, there's just no making anybody happy on yeah, this. Fair so enough. I, I like it. It's your standard barbarian. And I mean, we talked about it at length. I think it was you that talked about it at length in the last, in the last episode yep, yep. Um, that we did on barbarians, but. But I like everything that's offered in Xanathar's. I really do. There's nothing bad there. It's just a good alternative flavor.
1: Yeah, I mean, I play a Storm Herald in one of my and, yeah, in the
2: Evil Tuesday campaign. And
1: I love it. It's great. I mean, it's it's simple, but that's perfect. It it doesn't need to be complicated, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, because barbarians are not.
0: They're very much not.
1: Although, both both rules wise end.
2: And, Other and flavor. Uh, well, I've got some new ideas that I wanted to bring to the table in this episode. So cool. cool, as we'll get to. But Dave, you're DMing this. Don't fuck it up. I have
1: a joke. Okay, what's your joke? He's gonna fuck it up. What, <laughs> <laughs> what do you call a barbarian that you can't see? What? An Invisigoth?
0: Huh? Huh? No, you guys are.
2: No. History.
0: Fans? No, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. No. No. No.
2: God damn it.
0: I told you he was gonna fuck it up. So this will be my last appearance.
2: <laughs> I got one for you. Why do barbarians not shower? Because they rely upon their danger sense. Sense, sense, S C E N T S.
1: So this will be Adam's last episode. <laughs> um, Dan's Dan, doing this alone. Right? I'm gonna be doing this
0: alone from here on out. It's <laughs> what the audience wants, anyways. I'm pretty sure. I don't know.
1: You got, you got a joke, Dan? No. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm going it's to say so next week for Dan
2: and his furniture building. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so barbarians and Xanathars have a couple of neat kind of different things that they add here, uh, which are personal totems, tattoos and superstitions. Uh, barbarians, they don't really carry much, but what they do carry is important to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Some of them have maybe a mystical origin, uh or it is from an important moment of their life. Uh something
0: that ties them into a tribe, something that well, ties be- them into
2: Because they're nomadic, they're highly sentimental about the mm-hmm. things that they do bother to take with them, right? Yeah. A purpose to everything, right?
1: Exactly. <clears throat> so with the personal totems, uh, they give you a chart in the book that's got a couple of ideas here, like a tuft of fur from a solitary wolf that you befriended during a hunt. Uh a few small bones from the first beast you killed tied together with colored wool. It's just the, little yeah. trinkety
2: things. You're supposed to roll on the table, but, I mean, you can select whatever you want yeah. or use it as inspiration, right? Yeah,
1: and these are just to give you a little bit of flavor. I mean, it can be something that's a callback to something from your past or potentially uh, into what might come in the future. Uh,
2: like if there's some prophecy from your tribe that you're trying to live up to or...
1: Yeah, something like that. But um, these items will probably have an effect on your character. Uh, if they have this and it gets stolen, they're probably going to want it back. Like, like
0: badly. Yeah, oh, yeah, the, yeah like this, the, this will be a driving factor for your Barbarian. If they the, lose the,
1: the
2: one class you don't steal from is the Barbarian. Like, if the Rogue is going to steal from the Barbarian, the Rogue is leaving the party and will never be heard from again. Yeah. Right? Because you just don't piss these guys off.
1: One thing I know you like to do is to screw with a player's character sheet and take their
0: items away, and this is something that just screams that. Yeah, and and like it it's a mean nothing little thing. Like this this is a chunk of bone my mom carved for me. Way back when.
1: Yeah, it can really drive like, your plot forward. However, it doesn't you're not taking away their plus whatever great axe or mm-hmm. anything. You're not altering it's not a wizard spell book. You're not changing how effective they are in
2: battle. You're just playing with the role-playing aspect. And that's what all these things in the beginning of Xanathars really screamed to me, is more role-playing opportunities. Yeah. Right? While we do get more mechanics and shit in the subclasses, there's no... The base class breakdown is in Player's Handbook. Right? So the stuff that's in Xanathars really is, is more flavor and more fun, I think, yep. as well. I wish they had included this with the base stuff so from the very beginning
0: yeah for sure especially especially like uh the the focus on superstitions and uh uh totems specifically tattoos are cool but i i and i i have some but uh there are they they don't scream to me the level of uh flavor you could inject into a character as like one of their superstitions or one of their totems that they carry around with them like a barbarian who has to uh um you know before he lays down for camp every day, make sure that there is fresh spilled blood at the entrance of his uh, tent or something along those lines, right? Like, um, there, there's a lot of really cool things you could do with these totems and these uh, these little roleplay tweaks.
1: Do you have any particular ideas? Yes. So let's roll for it then. So are we just doing the, the personal totems first? Yeah, yeah, look.
2: I got a 7. I got a 5. I got a 4. Oh, shit. I'm going first with a 7. Good okay. Top. All right. So, personal totems. The go-to, the low-hanging fruit on this is trophies from previous kills. Right? That is the one that I think everybody is going to initially think of when they think of a personal totem. Um, but I don't think you should necessarily cast that shit aside. Mm-hmm. Because I love the idea of upgrading trophies. And that could be a key component of who the barbarian is and, and the details of their tribe where they start off, where they've got the the skull of a feral cat or maybe they collect, I don't know, collarbones cause they can hang them off of their belt or whatever. Right. And so it's, it's of a feral cat and then a bear and then an owl bear. And then, and as they go, like a mind flayer and the totems themselves don't, might not look any more impressive, but they're consistently upgrading and harvesting from their kills. Um, uh, and another one that's, again, low-hanging fruit is the skull of blank, whatever, yeah. right? But I like the idea of it not necessarily being being the skull, but um, like the necklace of ears is is an obvious one. But I'm here to, to harvest the horns of creatures. And the big papa is I want a dragon horn. Doesn't matter from what. It's not dragon heart, it's not dragon blood. I don't give a shit about the scales or the breath weapon or the dragon teeth. I want a horn. And I'm gonna I'm gonna carve a horn that I can blow in, on the way into battle with it. And it's gonna be like my great-grandfather did. In, yeah. And so this to me screams um, what a trophy should be instead of just Look at the squirrel skull from the thing that... I, like, I'm, I'm bored with the, with the number of cobalt skulls
0: hanging off well, the belts. there needs to be a very significant reason why this is the thing your character carries around. And there needs to be a very intentional reason for that. Like, for me, the... um, Are, are, are you all good with that one, Adam? Oh, no, I had I a couple of other things. Okay, just,
2: cool. um, But while I'm talking about trophies... Is this just me, guys? Are barbarians headhunters? If you're going to have headhunters and someone's coming from that tribe...
0: They're barbarians, right? And the, the shaman is a druid? Uh, Rangers. I, I, I'd go more ranger with, with... If you are hunting someone down, that's a ranger. They are... Uh, a barbarian is the foot soldier of. They are the tribal savage man. They are...
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I'm not talking about the society of. I'm talking about the head hunter. The person that is like... You you turn around in the middle of the night and you hear the whistling in, coming from the jungle depths. And there are seven tribal warriors standing there looking at you. I think they can either be
0: rangers or barbarians.
2: Yeah, but I, I, they're totems. They, they could have totems that need to be fixed somehow or prepared somehow to have, quote-unquote, mystical properties. There's no real magic to them, but they're mm-hmm. now sacred because they took it back to their shaman, whatever it is, right? And so they've got shrunken heads. Why aren't we doing shit like that, right? Or, or fingers that always point north. If you drop this this petrified, severed finger that's been, like, cured like meat into any freestanding pool of water. It'll always point north. Mm-hmm. Like, that to me is the level of barbarian totem, but you, it has to be from someone you killed. You know, or, like yeah, like a
1: mundane magical property. Or, or
2: his own pinky finger that he lopped off as part of his, like, rite of passage. Yeah. And that's another thing, is there should be rites of passage. You should wear your foreskin around your neck, right? Like, uh, no? no? No. No? No, you you, should. You it's cold. Should. No, no, it's... Yeah, no. you just roll it off like a turtleneck. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I had a couple of other ideas specifically for the... um, But, like, I I think that depending on the subclass, that's going to tell you what kind of personal totem you're supposed to have, right? Like, the Ancestral Guardian could have, I don't know, ancient arrowheads um, that were made from... uh, uh, like like made, made way back eons ago when the tribe was first founded. A storm herald could have a little piece of glass that like lightning struck a beach and created this, this glass. And it's just this misshapen form that they carry around and, and and they pray to. It could be a lock of hair from a berserker's mother. And, and it was the mother who was the only person that could ever calm him down while he was raging. And when he wants to come out of a rage voluntarily, it's this lock of hair that he holds in his hand. And I think that it's got to be tied into to, um, the other aspects of the Barbarian as well. And I've got one more that I really like. And I know that, like we said, choose one, but I got really excited about totems. Um, I like the idea of you having a battle axe and you are tallying in the handle how many kills you've had. And once you reach, I don't know, some arbitrary number, 127, whatever it is that your, that your tribe says... Uh, You have to then throw the axe away. It can no longer be used. And there are 127 kills with this. It has been anointed, and the next person that finds it, wherever it is, will have this blessed weapon. And you have to find the next weapon you come across must have 127 kills on it before you can stop using it. And if you lose the weapon,
1: it's a bad omen. So I actually kind of do this. In real life? Jesus. Uh, sort of. So, uh, I mean, I hunt. I go out. I'm in the outdoors. And on my rifle, I've got uh, a cartridge holder on the buttstock. And I keep the cartridge, the empty shell casing on that holder for every time that I take an animal with that gun. Um, I mean, I carry that. This is kind of like me showing respect to it. Mm-hmm. Later on, I'm carrying that with me. Right? It's, it sounds similar.
2: Yeah, it's like it, it's a PG version of the uh the Vietnam soldiers that are wearing ears on a necklace. Yes. Like the 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 I don't want to say, I mean it is about respect in in your case, but it's the acknowledgement of this um contest
1: uh, of its sacrifice. I mean, it's not I mean, I don't take trophies. That's not what I'm about, but th- I mean, I I do carry this with me.
0: Yeah afterwards you know yeah right. for sure um no i i really like all of that for sure and i actually want to play a little bit more on the that having that battle axe idea because um, a personal totem could be a um like you mentioned uh uh like cut of hair or or these little things that like this little piece of glass to remind you of your god but they could also just be heirlooms like it could I, i'm going to do a couple deep cuts here for you guys the Dungeons and dragons movie not the first one But the one with the dwarf, whose helmet, I think it's the second one, whose helmet gets knocked off. And he enters his barbarian rage whenever his helmet falls off. Super cheesy. It's really bad. It's the Dungeons & Dragons movie. I'm not endorsing it. But having an ancestral battle helm that your character carries with uh, carries with you. And it's got dents and scratches. It's one of the horns is broken off. All of these lovely things. And that is how your character answers a rage. He picks up his hat, throws it on the ground, does a rage. Or he charges a dude with his head first. Does but, a rage. It just sounds like the bros that take their shirt off to fight. I mean, it's barbarian, so there's well,
1: not the, a hard leap to that. Yeah. Well, yeah, But, <laughs> but I mean, this sounds a little bit Viking to me.
2: But I, the idea, I was trying to steer clear of the ancestral heirloom just because everyone has my father's great sword, right? And so I didn't want it to be a weapon. Yeah, yeah, no. So I, like, I I, I'm it. cool with it being a helmet because there's no helmet slot really for AC or damage. I mean, you can obviously wear one and get magical whatever from it, yep. but there's no traditional. Is this armor or weapon?
0: Yeah, right? right. Um, and and these things, like I I view like the traditional Viking. The like stereotypical Viking, they're more barbarian than fighter. Oh yeah, right. So like the having the horned helm or or the the uh, fur cloak that signifies their position within the tribe. Right, uh, like the, this large white fur cloak that they always wear with them at all times. These could all be their own little personal totems that they, that they move with them and they hold close and dear. Um, I also was toying around with the idea, and, and follow me, uh, here's my other movie, Deep Cut, The Blair Witch Project, um, where part of his path, what, what they're nomads, so they're moving around all the time, and what they do is they build on the roadside as they go, little totems uh we here in bc we have Inukshuks everywhere um on the side of the roads uh blair witch has those little like weird stick men hanging from all the trees there's some this really feels, this creep- is like a lot of druid craft as well though it, it, it feels druidy but it, it, it could simply just be like we being nomads cannot go back to where we've been we must always be going forward so we must leave a sign to remind ourselves if we are crossing our, our own path again. Yeah, right. I like
1: I, I like
2: that idea of it being related to the area that you're from. Like, perhaps the barbarians have, um, they, they leave just totems or, or signifiers at the boundaries of the lands that they wander through, right? Yep. And so it is massive. We're talking like Mongolia-sized, right? Um, and there are a bunch of totems all the way around. And so when you pass beyond it, you make a very similar totem that you carry with you to show that you are from these lands and you are beyond the borders of, right? And as long as you have it, you're not considered a lost member of the tribe. Yeah. But if it's gone, you are lost and can't return. And you have to drop it at the border when you come back in, right? That's Something sure. like that, like almost like traveling papers, right?
1: Dave, what do you got? Uh, well, I was kind of thinking like, you know how in like First Nations culture, how sometimes the people will identify with a particular animal? yep uh, when barbarians come of age or whatever their tribe sends them out maybe to uh, find the animal that has been you know linked to, th- to that person uh, they got to go out and they've got to bond with this animal in some way whether it's to befriend it study it capture it hunt it whatever it is um, and then bring back something important to them from that experience and, yeah. and have that now i thought that you could actually get kind of fun with it i like to do some goofy things sometimes
0: yeah i i just want to interject i mean totem warrior says you should have something of your animal totem with you something signifies either a tattoo or a cloak or something else you can do this animal totem stuff and not be a totem warrior barbarian like oh, absolutely you you can have like um you are carrying around pieces of dinosaur teeth as your Storm Herald cleric because they are thunder lizards. Right?
1: Yep. I liked the idea of the barbarian that identifies uh, with maybe a beaver and he's gone out and got a beaver tail that he wears on the back of his belt. Um, or one that identifies with an elephant and he has like a prosthetic trunk that hangs off his face. <laughs> Or both, and he's a, he's a platypus, right? Or he's got a duck bill and right? or, or like the, the the big bunny ears that he wears. You know, just have some fun with it. Like these personal totems are meant to add a little flavor. They're not just supposed to be this serious. Yeah, it doesn't have to
0: be serious. It can be ridiculous, right? Like you can. Could... One second, Grog has to get ready for combat. Oh, bunny ears! Bunny-
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You yeah, know he gets to jump. I am the there. warrior of the
2: hair. Why are you laughing? <laughs> the hair yeah. club
1: for men—they yeah. are super serious off. about
2: it. <laughs> Dan didn't laugh; it was too personal for him.
1: Yeah, I believe it. <laughs>
2: I love the idea, too, if you have the beaver tail and you're running through battle, and you just slap, 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 slap <laughs> across the battlefield. But,
1: I mean, you could even get fancy with it. You got the trunk. Maybe you can do a trunk attack where he just, like, flails his head a little bit. You know? Just, just, you can have fun with it, right? It doesn't have to be the super serious thing.
0: You're right. The barbarian needs to take it super seriously. Yeah, but I, that's it, where the humor is going to be in. But
1: that. he could be while well, he's yeah. doing that, right? Yeah, yeah. So yes, he's he's the quote
2: unquote
0: straight man in the comedy routine, right? Like <laughs> he could also understand that it's ridiculous, but it is it's his tribe's tradition, so he's going to do it. So it's like, all right, I I will get I will get the trunk. <sighs> and puts it on, like, regretfully, but he knows he's about to have a fight and needs to... It's time for battle. It's time for battle. Puts on the pig nose. Like, it, it's... Yeah. yeah. God
2: damn it.
1: <laughs> it could be fun, yeah.
2: right? No, uh, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? It
2: is time to mate. I shall grab my duck. Never mind. Let's just keep going.
1: <laughs> uh, so tattoos. Tattoos. Tattoos are pretty straightforward. You guys know what tattoos are. Um, what they, are they, Dave? They're... That no Audio media media pointing <laughs> at Dan. God. Uh, so tattoos are something that means something to a person, I mean, and that really translates into real life as well. People who get tattoos,
0: I think, for the majority of it. Sometimes they just get it because it's pretty art. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's also a there's also a descending scale. Like the first couple you get are very insightful and important and mean a lot, and then eventually it's just, oh, this looks cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and so
2: there's... No, nothing else will fit in exactly this location. Yeah. I, I have to fill in the gaps between these three, so... Yeah. So
1: a yeah. star, sure. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. it's just, it, it has to mean something to that particular barbarian. I don't think we need to really do a, a big breakdown of this. I mean, it gives you a list of tattoos you can have, but, I mean... But it's be all
2: creative. It's eagle wings across your shoulder blades. Uh, antlers across your shoulder blades, uh, elephant ears across your shoulder blades and a trunk down your spine. Like, it's the same damn idea
0: over and over again. I I did want to actually bring this up as well because there are a couple other routes you could go with it. There are, there's scarification you could go with as well instead of tattoos. Yep. Right? Sure. there is, and and that is present in many cultures what, what, from African and Native American. What is it, where, it where they put like the
2: beads under their skin to
0: make subdermal? Yeah, yeah. stuff.
2: Yeah, like that too. I'm just, and not, like. I'm not super well versed in this stuff. But
0: Maybe not just badass. tattoos, but body modification. Yeah, body modification mean? in general could be is like, okay, well, I have lost a major fight. Off goes the right nipple. Like something. I would I would be very
2: I I would be very cautious about this, and I would clear it with everyone in a session zero if you're going to do this, because you could be uh, triggering rip, something for somebody, ripping off someone's like culture as well with this by having like the big lip plate, right? That you think is really cool, but then if you're going to sit there. and And talk with a speech impediment because of it—that's not okay, right? Like, yeah.
0: I I mean, all of this is have some tact with it, right? Yeah. I think everything you gotta do has to be respectful, right? Yeah. Right.
2: And and the point is that this is supposed to have meaning, right? And it's—it's not just you carrying freaking silverware with you in your earlobes, right? Yeah. Um, I also came up with a different kind of idea for tattoos as well. Something that's a...
1: Is this a unique idea? Do you want to roll?
2: Yeah, I do.
0: I got a 1. I got a 17. Okay, unique ideas. For, I got a 12. For tattoos. Unique ideas for tattoos, Dave. Um, I like the idea of
1: when a barbarian has a battle... With a really challenging foe, that's when he you know marks it on himself. Whether that be again with scarification, where he puts like a mark in his, it's arm. got a
2: real uh, Mr. Zazz feel from Batman, yeah, to it
1: exactly. You know, so you know, he's paying respect to a, a worthy opponent, or he's just counting his kills, with, like the Red no, Baron. You could, but I don't want like that's not that's what not what that's not what you're that's saying. That's not my idea. That's yeah. that's I mean, that's pretty standard, I think,
2: yeah. The, Yes, that is the basic level of idea that...
1: But, I mean, you, you have encounters in most of your sessions. You're not going to be, every long rest, one kobold, two cobalt, three kobolds <laughs> in your arm, right? Yeah. You're going to be doing it when you come across a mind flayer or something <laughs> I, 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 big. I
2: think you should, but also, like, talk the wizard into doing it, too, so that when he blows up the fireball and kills 15, he's just anemic for the next three days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the level of exhaustion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: How many did I kill? 20. Oh, damn. Right. Oh, look, I have to use lightning bolt. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, I I like that. Do you have more to it?
1: Not really. I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward. The idea of tattoos in this class seems
0: It's on real the nose. straightforward. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, I would lean into uh, the body modification side of it a little bit as well or, or recommend doing that. Um, just to add some flavor to it and you could layer this stuff you could layer like they have got a tattoo that has uh little shards of bone piercing through it um that just stays there and has been healed over and and um, not his own bone not his own bone but on the bone is uh like braided hair from the uh enemies you vanquish Right? And I feel like barbarians get a lot of infections. <laughs> <laughs> if no, it but wasn't they, for the they Constitution, got high yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. right, right. Yeah, this, this is why. Um, so, like, there, there, there's so many cool, weirdly tribal things you could do with it. And, I mean, don't go too far and have your barbarian understand the reason why. It can't just be a, this is what my tribe does. It's got to be something personal. that means something to him. It's got to be personal. Because if you're standing in a civilized town, and you take down a pile of, like, uh, a group of muggers who jumped your party in an urban setting. And your barbarian pulls out his dagger and goes, all right, I got to get me their left tooth. I don't care which one of their teeth, but it's got to be on the left side. I was going to say their left tooth. How many teeth do you have? <laughs> Two? <laughs> That's why they call them tooth. <laughs> no? Chompy and bitey. What? Anyways, so, you like, you can't have that barbarian character then pull out the knife and just start... Mangling the corpses.
2: Right? Like No, there has to be reason and decorum to this. Yeah. The other thing too that I would I would say with before I answer mine there has to be. Look, there are gonna be people out there that decide to um, really lean into this idea and they want to do it all the time. Like oh like a wizard studying their spell book. And a warlock talking to their patron. Mm -hmm. And I've been at tables with people that have become like weirdly obsessive. And this is the only thing that they do in their downtime where they're like, oh, I'm going to mark more carvings on my arm and stuff. For the people around the table, they're not as fascinated with this as you are. You and the DM might have some sort of agreement and an understanding about your backstory. And it is a personal aspect, but at some point by session 15, it's time to kind of hand wave this stuff a little bit. It screams midweek content. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't want, I don't want to sit at the table as a player and listen in detail for the 900th time about how Jeff over there is adding red to the to the swoops on his left shoulder blade for the, like I don't care. This is not why I should have to play DD, right? So there there's a certain amount of it that is good for customizing your own character. But the same way that when you show up and you introduce your own physicality in session one, like, hey I'm a Goliath, I'm like six foot seven, I've got one uh like shock of of jet black hair that's very short, which is unusual because Goliath's normally bald. Right? And you're saying all this you don't do that intro every session. No, you don't. Right. And the same reason that you don't need to go on and on and on about your tattoos or your your totem every session. It should pop up occasionally when it's like, and when everyone else has got a big thing they want to do, I'm going to go research at the library. I'm going to go get information down at the docks. I'm going to go find the local mage. I'm going to go pick up some more adventuring gear for everybody, chip in some gold. Now I'm going to go. And then the turn of the barbarian, what are you doing? I'm going to go to the tattoo parlor. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm gonna go find the, the nearest, uh, and if there isn't one, I will go to. A, I'll go to a bar and find out where there's an ex con that knows how to do tattooing. Or I'll go down to the docks and find out where the sailors get theirs done. Yeah, or like that kind of thing, right? And so you can add that little bit of flavor on, but it doesn't have to be every time you have a short rest, you are carving, you're whittling another piece of bone. Right. It, I think it can just go crazy over the top with some people. So, um, but for my, my thing for tattoos, I wanted the idea of the ever evolving pictograph that's on your body that starts maybe on your left hand at your fingertips. And by the time that it gets to your left elbow and it works up, that's your childhood. And then across your, your bicep is your early life. And then, and then you, you track the six decades of your life from like hand to elbow, elbow to shoulder, shoulder to like breastbone, breastbone to shoulder, like all the way across and and you tell the story of your life. And so whenever a major event happens, another PC dies or you get knighted or whatever it is, it goes on the pictograph. Yeah. And so you only have a limited number of of places to put it on yourself, but you do and this is your story. And here's where I make it weird. You also carry the prepared and tanned skins of your ancestors and study them to learn their trials, their wisdoms, and their fates. So you just have a bunch of leather scraps from other people's tattoos that they tattooed on their bodies. And when you end up dying, your party knows they have to flay your tattoo off, cure it, and send it back to your tribe. Are you okay? Yeah. I don't think he's okay. I don't think he's okay, too. Hold on, I got to think about hangnails in the future. Just, just, just bear with me. I'll get into it. Uh, oh no, no, but but it. I just, I think the idea of the barbarian like laying down uh, uh, beside the campfire at night, and everybody else is doing the elven meditation. This or the the gnome is tinkering over there, and he just pulls out this piece of leather and he looks at it and, and says, "Tomorrow we hunt." My great great grandmother was the tribe's best hunter. And hear what her, and and she did this and this and this why did she put it in these symbols what was her story and he sits there and he he meditates on it he studies it he thinks about it it's his inspiration mm-hmm. right and i think that that's a really neat and cool way of of a disgusting way of, of attributing the past, especially because we're going to be dealing with ancestral gardens here, guardians oh, yeah, today, sure. yeah. not gardens, ancestral gardens are, are something not, a little different, slightly different, yeah. bonsai trees, yeah, <laughs> it's funny, I was just thinking that, anyway, um,
1: you what, good? Yeah, all right, uh, so superstitions, that's the, the third one in here, in Xanathar's, uh, so some barbarians follow gods, some of them look to nature, uh, but, I mean, really the common theme there is that they're looking for omens and powers from a non-tangible source. Yep. Uh, others, however, only trust in the tangible. And, I mean, that's really going to be up to you which one you want to do. But whichever one that your barbarian prescribes to, it's probably going to be a result of its culture or its upbringing. So, I like
2: getting, I'm sorry, of it not being the culture or upbringing, and it's just like the elf in the background. It's like, hey, that's the third time that you've fallen down after seeing a spider web. What does that mean?
0: <laughs> Just to fuck with As someone yeah. who plays a barbarian, I hate that guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, some of, the, some of the examples it gives you in the book here are, are kind of, they're good. Never trust a wizard. They're all devils in disguise, especially the friendly ones. Uh, when you walk through a graveyard, be sure to wear silver or a ghost might jump into your body. So I, I think that you can kind of do better than that. I mean, barbarians are known to be a little thick. Play with it, like you said. The the owl, yeah, it just happened three times. You know what's 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 going on with that, huh? Uh, but
2: that is how elves sound. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I, out of the, these three options, I think um, superstitions are my favorite thing. They're the thing that are going to be the most fun to to play with as a barbarian, as a barbarian character specifically, because it's things like. I must wear silver before we go to this graveyard, like that kind of stuff, is hilarious. Because then the party goes, but we need to go there now. And the barbarian's not without silver. We won't. The, the ghosts will jump into our our bodies and take us over. That's no. We are not doing this. And the wizard and the cleric both go. That's not how any of this. None of it works this way. But the
1: barbarian can't
0: trust the wizard. But the barbarian can't trust guys. Yeah. So so he's just like. No, no, we're getting silver. And, like, walks up to some bay window at a market shop, smashes in the glass, grabs a handful of forks. I am ready, let us go. We can go loot some <laughs> I,
2: I absolutely love the idea, too, of watching, like, like, the rogue tiptoes in and, like, jumps the fence to the graveyard. And, and all of a sudden, the ranger Misty steps in, the wizard levitates over, and the barbarian is walking backwards. A chain <laughs> <chanting his> <laughs> yeah, holding a plate and just like like tossing little flower petals behind them.
1: <laughs> everything will be okay. Everything, everything will, will be okay. Just, yeah. Turns into a baby real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys have any I have lots. I've got tons. Alright, yeah. let's let's roll and maybe just stick to one. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I got a 4. I got a 9. I got a 1.
2: Adam? Oh, that's a that's a couple of 1s for you, hey?
1: No, I rolled a 2, a 4, a 17, and a 1.
2: All right. Oh, I got a 1. That's what it was. Okay, so first and foremost, these are just quick tips. I didn't really have... like this is just role-playing tips for people. I didn't come up with one specific unique thing because I just had a lot to say about this. Work with your DM. Talk about what different weather patterns mean for omens and portents. That's really important, and it's it's traditional in our own world too right a storm on the east means blank right um, undead or rife for superstitions and odd outlooks especially for an ancestral guardian or a zealot right that if you come across a ghost what does that mean? not, not just who was this person but why are they here why now what what helped they, they're someone's ancestral guardian? Did their God not love them enough to bring them back? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the, there's there's some crazy superstitions that you could have about undead. Um, I think you should always look for the neutral. Um, try to find things that are not obviously, like, super obvious about, this means devils, but stuff like, this means the wind will blow hard three days from now, right? interesting neutral things and and predictions and whatnot um or if you are going to look into the good and evil side of things subvert the alignments suspect evil in the bright and fight righteousness in the uh in the evil right so like so if it's if someone casts light down here why do you even have that how often are you skulking around in the dark places Mm -hmm. right and if someone is evil well, there must be good in everyone, and uh, at least he's funny, right? And if as long as you have a sense of humor, then that can be... And like these are the barbarian backwards ways of looking at things yep. based on superstitions. Um, remember, chaos is natural, and if you're in an orderly place with straight lines, then you're probably bound, and that the, the earth has been changed and moved, and, and you are restricted because some other creature had their will imposed upon here and you're in their lands now. And what does that do to you? Um, I think that looking for numbers or colors uh, can always help. Like a white crow or three iron bars laying across your path, or the man with the yellow eyes. All of these things can be important superstition um, aspects that you can grab. And if you're if you're looking for inspiration, numbers and colors are, are a really good way of yep. of adding those quantifiers that can help. And uh, my big thing would be. Um, I like the idea of, who was it that said earlier that you have to have fresh blood down by your tent? Was it you, Dan? Yeah. I like the idea of, even though you have no supernatural powers, you still try to cast bones. And you are still reading blood splatter. And uh, this is part of the tracking nature of, of a barbarian as well. But I really like the idea of the barbarian is the only one in the party that truly believes in the four humors. Oh, yeah. He's a foul mood. We must bleed him of his bile. He will be better. Right? And just like like that kind of old, um, like, uh, what, what is it called? The uh, ph- phlogis, phlogiston? flogist you know what I'm talking about? No. All right. Hold on. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. You, let's move on to the next thing. I'll come back to this. <coughs> you guys not know the four humors at all? Uh, it's vaguely familiar. Yeah. Ho- hold on. All right. Couldn't tell you what they are, but I'm familiar with the idea. Okay. So there, there are the four humors, and this is old um, medicine. This is a system of medicine that existed before what we know today. It's kind of based in alchemy as mm-hmm. well. And there people straight up believed this shit before, um, where your blood was actually related to the... Um, to the concept of uh, the element of air. And your yellow bile was fire, black bile was earth, and phlegm was water. And it was ancient Greeks and Romans that, uh, that really believed in this. But what they would do is they would say, um, you know, um, there were different temperaments that were each associated with the four humors as well. So um, let's see if I can find it here really quickly. Uh, Sharpness and intelligence are caused by yellow bile in the soul Um, uh, Perseverance and consistency Is the melancholic humor And simplicity and uh, naivete Are your blood uh, by, but the nature of phlegm has no effect on the character of the soul. And so it's these mixtures of the four elements and these four humors that by bleeding some of them out when you're feeling ill or you're in a bad mood or you're, you're manic, you can't stop giggling. It's time for us to remove one of these humors. And so it was like phlegm and, and bile and, uh, and <laughs> blood. And like, you, you could just, that can be your, uh, oh. <laughs> the bard yeah. won't stop laughing. Everyone spit on him.
1: G- the, 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 Get me <laughs> throat scraper. Yeah, I could see that could make him stop laughing pretty. Quick. Yeah, right. Well, uh, I, I love that. with attached to hideous laughter, and the barbarian just keeps cutting on him. Stop laughing.
2: Stop laughing.
1: <laughs> I
2: am bleeding you dry. Stop laughing. <laughs> but I think that that's a that's a real superstition from the like our own history. Yeah, that could be really interesting for a barbarian to just Move aside,
0: medic. I know what to do here. Cool. Um, for my answer, because I'm Nexus, I, I was going to kind of echo that statement of mm-hmm. if you are lost at what to do for a superstition, look at any modern horror movie because um, a lot of that... Uh, that tenseness is based off of people's superstitions even rather mundane ones right The uh, the things that lurk in the shadows and, and and what we do to protect ourselves from that you can look at shows like supernatural or constantine uh to uh these demon and monster hunter shows to like they have rituals like if it's buffy the Vampire, anything anything, Van Helsing, that, anything right? that has a ritual
2: anything where they're going to draw in chalk or see an omen there's going to be a superstition, something in the background. Right. You're absolutely
0: right. There's and 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 you could pull on those. This is this is not just for players to be like, okay, so my character is going to observe colors and 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 if there is a white animal that crosses his path, he knows that there is you know danger ahead and I must be wary. Like, you just he, changed the black cat thing there, Dan. Still, uh, the you totally called him out on not you? you know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> um. The fuck! I lost my train of thought. Thanks, Dave. Uh, but this is also for DMs to mention to the barbarians who work this out beforehand with the character of what these omens mean. And it's the DM says something and gives a meaningful glance at the barbarian and hope that barbarian's paying attention to a description, right? Because these omens, not and superstitions, don't necessarily have to be just things that he thinks are helping. They can legitimately help him. Oh yeah! Right. Every, every once in a while, one of them should come true. Right. And the barbarian should lord that over his party for the next few weeks. It's like that
2: person that like legitimately believes in, uh, like Scientology. I'm just gonna pick that because it's, it's easy to rip on them. What are they gonna do? Sue us? Probably. Yep. But good luck. I have no money. So, um, but if you're if you're sitting there and you have someone that believes in some weird backwards ass cult. Um, and they every once in a while prove themselves right. Then all of a sudden, everything they've ever said is also right. Mm-hmm. Right? It's that that what's what sort of looking for the conviction.
0: Yeah, right? exactly.
2: Yeah. Um, that if I'm right once, I must be right all of the time. And I, look, nothing about crows has mattered in the last seven years. But eight years ago, there were these two crows, and I saw it with my own eyes, right? And that's that can be where some of the superstition comes it,
0: from. Exactly. Right? So so the, for DMs and players, both really uh, draw inspiration from um, horror and supernatural uh, mediums. Um, also, I can't echo enough the, the idea of not just, like, numbers of things, but what those things are made of, right? Yeah. Like... Uh, there are three iron bars in your path. Uh, you walk through a doorway that has um, a uh, a wooden horseshoe hanging over the door. And what does that mean? Because it's wood, right? Like stuff I, like that.
2: I, I like that too, like the three iron bars. And I picked that kind of on ra- at, at random when I did this. And now I'm sitting there going, yes, when we walked into town, there was the jail, there was the the weaponsmith, and then there was the tavern called the Iron Bar. We cannot enter this town.
0: <laughs> yes. Right? And that's that kind of superstition, right? Exactly. So, so really play on that.
1: Uh, I went with a very specific idea. I liked the idea of uh, barbarians, they're born to fight. They fight, they take damage, they get hit. Bleeding to them is very natural. When they get into a confrontation uh, where maybe perhaps they don't take any damage that causes them to bleed, maybe they had blind or something, you know, not necessarily physical damage, but something else.
2: They take psychic damage? Yeah, or force damage so that it doesn't open a wound?
1: Yeah, but if that happens, then that's kind of nature telling them that. Maybe this battle wasn't necessarily worth fighting and you've done goofed up and it's gonna get back at you now. And because he didn't bleed during that last combat, he's looking over his shoulder. He thinks something's coming up behind him to make up for that. And you know, he's kind of just a little more on edge Mm -hmm. and tense. Until the rogue's like, I'll help stab.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I mean you could even get into that. You're like, uh uh Cut me. Please, cut me. (laughs) The amount of times as a barbarian, like, legit in a game, just to maintain my rage, I've been like, all right, all right, wizard, punch me. I allow you to punch me, and then the wizard still misses or something because (laughs) they're a wizard. Um, But, like, that's legitimately a thing that some barbarians, and a lot of barbarians at some point in time in their history have had to do, where it's like, someone has to damage me because I botched this round and missed my swings, so I'm not hitting anything. Or they're way the hell over there, and I'm not getting to them. I need this rage to continue. Someone shoot me. <laughs> yeah, that always
2: bothers me because it's a meta perspective. Like I don't, yeah. I don't think a barbarian knows that he needs to be physically harmed in order to stay angry.
1: Yeah, but your eighteen intelligence wizard could pick up could, could on pick it up on that, right? Yeah, and so I think that.
2: The wizard just that. That wizard character needs to keep an eye on it, or the rogue with the high intelligence needs to keep an uh, eye
0: on her. Barbarian's about to jump into gladiatoria ring. He's like, "All right, I'm I'm ready. Let's do this. I got my axe. We're good to go." And the and the fighter walks up and goes, "Yeah, you got this." Socks him in the gut and throws him down the uh, into the pit, <laughs> or, or just
2: or just the bard using cutting words, just like, <laughs> "You you can do it, Mary." Yeah, that's, that's not my name. <laughs> <laughs> right, so. Um, do, do we have anything else to talk about with superstitions? No,
1: no, not really. I think we can just start getting into the subclass breakdowns here. Okay, so well, let's get to the commercial first.
0: Of course. Hey guys, Dan here with It's a Mimic. I'm here with Adam, and we have a couple exciting announcements to mm-hmm. throw at you guys.
2: Yeah, we have a couple new social media sites that we're really happy and excited about being a part of, including TikTok, and we have our own uh, subreddit now.
0: Which is r slash It's a Mimic. Yep, we're also starting a second channel that is going to be live play focused. It's going to be our actual play stuff. So it's going to be where you can find all of our old Call of Cthulhu, our Wizard's Tower, our Christmas special. uh, As well as future projects coming down the pipe like a new Call of Cthulhu. Yes, we've got
2: a couple of fun things coming with Call of Cthulhu. Uh, this year and we're already gearing up for it so anyways we've got these two channels we've got this new social media but what we would really like is to ask you guys for a little bit of help we don't have a kickstarter we don't have a patreon we don't have a gofundme we have a dinky little donations button down in the bottom of our website but we're not even asking you for money right now we're asking for your voices yeah
0: so word of mouth is super important to get the word out on the new channel the new social media outlets that we're we're engaging in now.
2: So if you could do more than just lend us your ears and lend us your voices as well, whether it's on Reddit or through our regular Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, cross posts, links, whatever you can do to give us a hand here would help a lot. We are eternally grateful. And that's why we want to give you guys more of a voice as well, which we talk about in the shoutout out and the campaign builder. And we'll
0: be moving forward with more interesting ways of audience interaction as well. So, again, thank you guys so much for listening. And I don't know about you, Adam. I'm really excited for year two as we're moving on here. Yeah, I really think i <laughs> hey, a- Damn it, Adam. All right, so we've got three
1: subclasses the Ancestral Guardian, Storm Herald, and Zealot. Do we want to roll to see who goes first? Sure. 13, 15, 9. Yay, all
2: right, I'm going first. I got the Zealot. Now, the Zealot is the barbarian with gods. More than any, every barbarian probably has gods, but this is the one that gets powered directly from them. This is your divine barbarian. Um, this is related to combat and battle specifically, though. So you're not going to have a barbarian a zealot that believes in a god of, of light and knowledge and nature. That's not what we're talking about. This is combat. This is either death damage, destruction, um, or...
0: Storms.
2: Specifically damage, destruction, war, and the ability to to take a hit. Yeah. Um, so the power is actually bestowed upon them when they rage. And that rage itself is considered to be, uh, like divine providence. They are specifically being blessed with this rage. The gods uh, tend to be, um, evil. They're very rarely good, but it does happen. It just swings evil. They can be new, uh, neutral, um, but they can also be lawful or chaotic. It's just rarely are they a good god because they tend to be war and destruction or whatnot. Um, so I went looking into which gods they were, and I'm like, I'm just going to give the list of the three or four gods that there may be. Holy shit. So I went through the player's handbook, and I said, there's just too many gods. So... Um, I ended up uh, kind of digging through what they uh, what they had in Skag, yep. as well. And here's what I found: there are seven death gods, seven war gods, nine gods of life, because the zealots very tied into to staying alive. Yep. There are eight different dwarven gods, the elf gods. Um, there are three elf gods and one drow god. Even halflings have three gods, and gnomes have two gods that can be prayed to by a barbarian. So there's more than enough out there. And honestly, I mean, of course, five of the six orc gods. Of course. Of course. Like, it just stacks, right? There are shit tons others in the uh, player's handbook to the point where I didn't even want to, like, not name them. I just didn't want to count them there were so many. With their domain of war and their their uh, providence over... Um, Retribution or justice or whatever it is, and there's a lot of them there. Yep. So, you have a really broad uh, list that you can choose from. Uh, Sword Coast Adventures Guide has a great amount of information about the gods, but there is stuff in the player's handbook as well, and you can always make up your own. Um, the thing about uh, the. Well, we're not really going to touch on the this, this stuff in the player's handbook. We did that in the previous Barbarians episode. Yeah. If you want to hear the base class info, you can go check that out.
0: Yeah, we're just breaking down the subclasses here.
2: Yeah, so at third level, you get your Divine Fury, which means that when raging, the first creature that you hit, so not that you attack, that you connect with. So the first one that you hit on your turn with a weapon attack. So, I mean, it's not like you're, you're casting barbarians. spells. Barbarians. Yeah, yeah, right. And it has to be while raging, so you're definitely not casting spells. Yeah. Um, but with a weapon attack takes additional damage. That damage is a 1d6 plus your barbarian level, and it's either necrotic or radiant, depending on your choice when you took the class. That's nuts. Right? So uh, it's 1d6 plus your barbarian level, which doesn't sound like a whole shit ton until you think level eight is a minimum of an additional nine damage while raging on that first hit. And you're already raging, so you have another plus two. Yep. So, or three or four, like, four or five. It, it stacks, right? Yeah. yeah. So this can get out of control quickly. This, in my opinion, is the best thing that you get as a zealot, but there are other things as well. At uh, level three, you also get a warrior of the gods, which is, well, your god has decided that your soul is destined to fight forever. If you're resurrected to life from death, the caster does not need material components. Which means all of those Revivify and True Resurrection and Raise Dead and all that. All of that. All those diamonds. They don't matter anymore. Yeah. That that Cleric or, or Necromancer or whatever can bring you back up. This doesn't work on undeath. If you're a zombie, you're a zombie. Right? If they want to return you back to life through whatever magic nonsense, they will need the material components. But I got a question. How do you communicate that to your party without just being meta? Like That you specifically, when I die, you don't need diamonds. That's just
0: a weird thing. Uh, what, what you do is they cast the spell and the diamonds are not taken the first time. And then you were just, that's just the way it is with Grubnar the Barbarian. But if you're sitting there and you're, you've failed your
2: death saves and they've got Revivify and it's, you've got 10 minutes for this or, or whatever the, the window is. And, there and they sit go, I don't have diamonds. Like, I'm sorry, but you're just going to die. How do you communicate this? And I think that this is up to the DM. So when you take this subclass, you turn to the DM and you say, look, the cleric over there needs to know this information. They need to hear it from their god or something. They need to have some stroke of divine. Yep. Inter- my god is talking to their god. And therefore, they know this. Um, and this is really important to my character that that I just come back from the dead. Yeah." Uh, at 6th level, you get Fanatical Focus. So once per Rage, not per day, not per rest, but per Rage, which I like that because we are that's one of the few times that we see something between per round and per rest. Like, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of per Rage. Uh, you can reroll a saving throw that you failed, but you have to use a new roll. Cool.
1: Yeah, that's not bad.
2: Nope. Uh, this is flavored in such a way that it makes you think that your god gives you special protection when you rage. So when you failed, your god says, no, 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 try again. Which I like. Yep. Um, and so far, we're pretty powered up. When you look at the other barbarian stuff that you're getting through the base class, <laughs> you're still pretty powerful. This is working in your favor with all that damage that you're doing at third level. Now you're rerolling saves. You're coming back from the dead more, uh, more easily, right? At tenth level, your connection to divinity can be harnessed as a powerful godlike war cry that creates zealotry in people around you. This is zealous presence. As a bonus action, up to ten other creatures within sixty feet that you choose gain advantage on saving throws until the end of or until the start of your next turn. So you can just say, you know, as the roof is caving in and it's your turn, you can just say, brace yourselves, and everyone else will will do it. They, like it's just one inspiring command. Yeah. Right for the saving throw, and they they get, for a moment, they believe that your god is protecting them as well. What's interesting is that it's in 10 other creatures. You don't get the benefit from this. So this is the party getting the benefit. Um, the other asterisk is that uh, they must be able to hear you, and it recharges on a long rest. So it's neat. It's not really powerful for a 10th level, um, and then 14th level is Rage Beyond Death. If you're raging and drop below zero hit points, you do not fall unconscious. Now, first of all, you are Barbarian and you are raging, so you have a shit ton of hit points by 14th level. So this is going to happen rarely. As a DM, I have trouble knocking Barbarians down. Yeah, I have to do it in other unique ways, like attacking ability scores right, and maximum hit points. Uh, you still have to make your death saves. And getting hit still counts as failures on death saves, but you stay functional during the entire process. Additionally, even if you fail your death saves, you do not go down until your rage ends. I like that. And you still don't die unless you still have zero hit points, which means the moment that you come up beyond zero, so for your 10 rounds of rage or whatever it is, as long as you have gone up above it, it takes you out of the death saves. You drop below, and it resets again. So you just don't drop over and over and over until your rage subsides. Yeah. That's incredibly powerful. Yeah, that basically supersedes death saves. Well, you still make the death saves, and you're still slated yeah, for but death he- and if you don't heal So the only way that I can think that I can kill a barbarian Is a DM, sitting there going, alright, so then how do I do it He's got to be holding the boulder In the mouth of the tunnel With the lava pouring in So everyone else can run away So while he's still alive in the lava Swimming for health He's failed his death saves automatically Because he's burning to death And he's still awake and aware and alive But he'll never get above Zero hit points again he just gets ten turns to yell out his final wishes. Okay. Right? But, I mean, you're not, it's not going to happen in regular combat. We, you know, we're talking overwhelming forces that have to keep everybody else distracted. Like, beholders, maybe? Right? So that you you get stuck in that anti-magic
0: field from their eye so that you can't be healed? Yeah. I don't know. I, I would... The, the, the wording on this makes me seem to think, like, that just you're on hold even if you're you're raging you're on hold if you fail your death saves on turn three of your rage and you get to turn nine and your cleric finally manages manages to hit you with a healing word that healing word counts it does yeah that's exactly yeah. what i'm saying yeah yeah and-, and and like you may have failed all your death saves on turn three of your rage but you just motored through it and in the last breath they manage to get it and you stop the rage and guess what you've beat death yeah yeah i love this That's so cool. But
2: my problem with it is... It's never going to happen. You're going to have that one badass amazing moment twice. In an entire campaign. Because you get this at level 14. And there's really nothing out there that isn't either going to just fucking ruffle stomp you. Or is not going to be able to drop you in the first place. Right? Uh,
0: I don't know. I, I, I think... One, I kind of agree with you in the in the sense that yeah, this won't happen. This won't be a weekly occurrence for your character, right? Um, there are certain things that, depending on your DM's, uh, DM style, your play style, your group's table style um, that will play into it. But I I've played high level characters that get their you know eighteenth level ability, and I use it once, just once, and then I'm done that character's retired i have uh, a fighter character that i've used indomitable since i got it at ninth level is that when you get indomitable ninth level yeah i've used it twice three times now most of that is because i'm avoiding saves like you wouldn't believe yeah but, but like twice yeah times? look look i, right? I like I, I understand what you're
2: saying it just feels i want i want i want this earlier just so that it can trigger more often it's super powerful and I like it at 14th level. I just, what am I throwing at you at 14th level thats that this is going to trigger? I can throw an Intellect Devourer at you and murder you outright if you just fail a save and it has nothing to do with hit points, you're just done, right? And so this uh, effect is not going to help you, right? The Banshee lowering your maximum hit points means that you cannot be healed up, right? Like that kind of stuff is, but no, sorry, the Succubus that lowers your maximum hit points. So whatever it is, like I can find monsters to kill you, but now I'm designing this will murder you encounters, mm-hmm. and so that's not fair. That's that's me just being a controversial uh, and confrontational DM. Yeah, yeah. Um, DM, and so I don't see this really coming up that often, especially at high at high level. How many battles have you guys been in where we get to round ten? Very few. Very few.
1: Yeah, it doesn't happen often.
2: Which means that you are going to drop out of combat and then someone's going to heal you. Yep. <clears throat> Unless it's the person right before you in combat that ends the combat. And how do you rage? You have nothing to hit and you can't take damage. And you're the next person in an initiative of, oh shit, ah! <laughs> and you just drop. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, and that's it. So, which. Takes a long breath and dies. Which, again is a cheap way for this to trigger, right? Like, that's no fun. No. So, I don't know. I really like this on paper. I have difficulty seeing how you would use this in practicality. So, that's my... That's kind of the breakdown of of the Zealot. I actually really like the Zealot. I would be interested in playing one. And I've got a couple of neat ideas for what
0: to do with one. But... I I gotta say, uh, in regards to the Zealot specifically... um, I don't think I've ever seen character art do justice quite like the Zealot's character art does in Xanathar's. Because um, it covers every single thing that this guy gets in the picture. Very subtly. Like, you can see he's got the bandage across his forehead. He's got the gigantic F-Off hammer. Like, he's got that crazed look in his eye. Oh uh, Yeah, he's got Rasputin's look. Yeah, right? And and I look at that and I'm like, yeah, that that that, that tracks. 100%. And um, it makes me intrigued about the character class could actually do and then you read through it and you're just jaw on the floor like i zealot's one of my favorite uh barbarian subclasses because of the reason you're just undying and this builds more into the like i'll take a couple levels of druid and get a bear so you just have that much more hit points or um like take these little subclasses that make it so you just cannot die you are relentless you are the juggernaut right And you just move forward, and you move forward, and you move forward, and you will be the last one standing. I love the zealot for that reason. Now, barbarians, because they typically aren't wearing armor and typically are just rocking their you know unarmored defense, they're fairly easy to hit. So I think this will happen a little bit more um, than you think, because I I've, I've rarely ever see a barbarian with more than eighteen uh, AC. More than eighteen AC. Yeah, uh, but
1: I think their hit points are of a higher pool so they're not getting down far. No, you you're to you're, com-
0: you're completely correct, but I mean, you have like um Merilith that has plus 9 to hit or something like that on six attacks. Yeah, but by level 14
2: everything has plus 9 or 10 to hit and will always be hitting everybody except probably the paladin. Right? People are just straight up getting hit. The same can be said for the monk and the rogue yeah. and the sorcerer who are also getting these bonuses, depending on your subclass, these bonuses to,
0: to their AC. Yeah. Um, without armor. So. And the zealot is just going to stand there and take it and take it and take it and we'll drop it to negative hit points and you'll still take it. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I. I really like the Zealot for that reason. Um, Second on that list is mine. I'm next up in the line here is the Ancestral Guardian. Uh, Do you mind if I roll out on that?
2: Yeah, no, go nuts. I know nothing about this subclass. Okay,
0: so the Ancestral Guardian is a uh, barbarian uh, path that uh, you call forth the spirits of... Uh, your ancestors from the past who help you and aid you in combat while you rage. Hence the name. Hence the name. Um, usually the tribes go through some sort of ritual involving tattooing, scarification, some sort of uh, grand, like, we're going to bathe you in goat's blood now, or something like that um, kind of ritual to make you the person in your tribe that can do this. It's a very unique position to be able to call forth your ancestors to help you. Um, in, in this, so it's a seat of power. Yeah, you're, if they have nine people that are all calling and them, I mean, they can only
2: help one guy at a time, right? You don't want to call them for help, and you are like, you're on hold. You're yeah. standing there angry now, being like, yeah, come on. But the rage come maintains. Come on, grandpa, hurry up. The rage maintains because you got that on hold music.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, anyway, so, uh, right off the gate, right, sorry, right, right out, out of the out. gate, Fuck. uh, you get ancestral protector, uh, protectors at level three uh these are when you enter a rage um your ancestors come out um and they are these spectral things that kind of move on your same turn and help you on your same turn uh the first creature you hit with an attack on your turn uh, becomes their target and then they hinder that target basically what that means is they have disadvantage on any attack roll um, that isn't against you so against your party they have them like focusing in on you and when that target hits a creature other than you with an attack um it the creature it hits has resistance to all damage that that creature does so the protectors are there to just bolster you and really your allies they're they're to get this feels like more totem of the bear it, 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 it's fairly defensive in that way. Yeah, I, 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 I'd agree. Um, at sixth level, you get your spirit shield, where um, any creep, uh, if you are raging and another creature you could see within 30 feet of you uh, gets hit with an attack, your ancestral guardians uh, impose themselves between the attack and uh, you roll 2d6 ra- uh, right away at sixth level uh, and you minus the total off the amount of damage that person takes. Okay, alright, so you subtract, uh, you said that in a very confusing way. You, sub- you subtract 2d6 from the damage another creature within 30 feet of you takes. Okay. Okay, now this increases to 3d6 at 10th level and 4d6 at 14th level. Um, yeah, uh, at 10th level um, you get the ability to consult with your Ancestral Spirits. Uh, so what you could do is you uh, can either cast Augury or Clairvoyance um without using a which one is augury i can never remember um is that the one where you can just like drill big holes in the ground no no that's that's an auger not a not the spell augury okay yeah augury is uh i think it's the yes or no answers okay yeah all right um so you're not a mole person. You're not a, you're not a mole person, no. Um, and so you could cast those two spells without using the spell slot or material components required for those two spells. Basically, you just talk to your dead ancestors. Can, can I just pause you for half a second here? Because you said something.
2: I said mole person, and, and I was thinking about moles and whatnot. And then I'm thinking, we talked about tattoos. And then you say this is a really, like like, specific role that you have. Maybe you have the birthmark. Oh yes, and that's why. Like, I think that that's a, an alternative to tattoos on this could be birthmarks, or you know, you because ha- I, I was thinking a barbarian with a big hairy mole, and then I went, well, hold on a second, this could actually
0: tie in. This with, could actually tie in yeah. with the physical. If, if you're playing like an Eberron campaign, these are your, your aberrant dragon, dragon marks. These are yeah. aberrant dragon marks, right? Yeah. Like it, it's that level of stuff. Um, and then finally, at 14th level, uh, your Vengeful ancestors ability kicks in, which is uh, the ancestral spirits uh, grow far more powerful um, at 14th level, and when you use the spirit shield ability, which is the one where they reduce the amount of damage one uh, of your party has taken, the uh, the creature that they are removing the damage from, so the one doing the, from the attacker gets that damage instead. Okay, so you're
2: just bouncing damage back so at the So you are
0: reflecting damage back at the attacker based off what your D6 roll is there. And it is force damage. Regardless of what kind of attack they're using, it's force damage. Yeah, okay. No, that's cool. Okay. Um, so it's a very defensive um path you could go down Um, there's a lot of flavor as well with the ability to speak uh, with your ancestors and glean information from them I would also have we mentioned earlier in the totems and and, uh, the superstitions side of things where your barbarian might not have the ability to divine or cast spells Um, I mean here you literally could cast spells but and it says you don't require the material components but have them cast bones have them you know need to pour some chicken blood it, fresh chicken blood in a cup and mix it up throw it down spit in it like do stuff yeah. like that yeah they, they, they have
2: to just pile up at least a fistful of sand and then pee on it and yeah. then whatever the symbol is or like the my impression. DNA must be in your yeah. stuff like that exactly
0: Yeah, or my essence sorry Hold My essence I must, must read my stool <laughs> yeah and, 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 huh. and, and when did consent. I eat carrots <laughs> <laughs> and the ancestor comes climbing out, wiping their face. I'm like, come on, man. No, uh, so I I I love the Path of the Ancestral Guardian for that reason. I've played a few of them. Um, I've played one that is like a death worshipper. And the fact that he's able to pull these ancestors out from uh the the grave was his uh you know the way he showed his blessing of the death god. See, now th- this is interesting to me because I feel like you've got to be
2: somewhat tied to your tribe a little bit closer than the average.
0: I don't think as so. Well. I don't even think these necessarily have to be uh, like blood relatives of yours. Doesn't say it has to. They could just be all of the other chieftains of your tribe. Or, or the
2: previous Ancestral
0: Guardian. Or the previous the Ancestral ones, Guardians. Yeah. You could go Avatar with this thing, and all of the air, uh, Avatars are speaking to you. You could do that with this. Why First you, Ghosts.
2: Why do you need Not Navi? Cat don't people. go okay. with the Navi right.
0: joke again, Adam. You've done it a couple times.
2: I know. Yeah, okay. It's still funny. Dave. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I got one more thing, though. If you are going to play this kind of, of character, Talk with your DM ahead of time because I feel like there's a lot of juice in there for your DM to like drink up. Yeah. There's an absolute ton of fun and interesting, um, because uh, plot hooks here. You are grabbing people from your tribe's past, right? There are these are specific ghosts that you are going to uh, be invoking that you can communicate with. Yeah. Right. You may not be able to have long conversations, but you can have uh, augury. Like you yep. can get some stuff out of them, right? So there should definitely be the three or four that you're pulling from your past. Work with your DM when you when you are prepping this character and say, hey, here are the, the actual guardians. Here are the people to talk to me. And then let the DM have a little bit of free reign with how much maybe one of them is just a dick and doesn't like you, but does he'll do the stuff anyway, but he yeah. flips you off as he does it, right? <laughs> Man, I was at rest stop calling me, mm-hmm. right? But then they are the, the people that totally really want to help. My, I'm concerned that every, every time that you go into combat, it's going to be you, your three or four other party members, someone's familiar, that guy's squire, those four ancestral guardians, and, like, you've got an army walking into the damn... And yes, but they, they they
0: don't get an initiative. They just... No, disturb.
2: no, no, no I, I know, but it looks like... Because it's the spiritual guardians with the cleric as well, right? Where there's just, like... There's a lot of, of bodies on the on the playing field yep. here, right? And I know that they don't have their own actions or turns or any of that shit, right? They do what you want... But I feel like it might take away the uniqueness and specialness of uh, of what the rogue is looking for and some dungeon delving. Yeah. So
0: I'd just be aware of what you're bringing to the table. I, I would make them be... Wisps of air. I wouldn't necessarily even give them like full. They're form. not. They're not um, force ghosts, like Dave said. Yeah. No. I, I. I would definitely have them be like wisps of air, and, and almost like predator moving through the woods. Like if you look hard enough, you might see some sort of displacement in your vision, but for the most part, the barbarian is the one who could see them, and no one else can. Okay. That that's the kind of way I would run this. All right.
2: Okay. I like that a whole lot better than just adding more. Like pieces to the board I
0: don't want I don't want blue ghosts walking around in every yeah. encounter uh, that's actually really cool too because if you do your consult the spirits thing you are, uh, you as the barbarian are using your will to pull them into a slightly more corporeal form so that you could have a conversation with them
2: and I know that you don't need um, an arcane focus or a holy symbol but this is where a personal totem or a tattoo can come into play as well yep. right so anyway that's
1: yeah cool Alright, well, I got the Storm Herald, and I like the Storm Herald. I play one. They're great. Can Uh, we call them Storm Harry for short? uh, So the Storm Herald uses their rage to harness the power of nature. They tap into its power to conjure some magical effects. Um, They're essentially products of their environment. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. There are three main environments that the Storm Herald uh, works with, and that would be the desert, the sea, and tundra.
2: This is really reminiscent of natural explorer or druid circles.
1: A lot of Storm Heralds, uh, when they're you know going through their training, they will train alongside with druids and rangers and others who are sworn to protect nature. Nature's their thing. I've found that barbarians are very much a part of nature, uh, in fifth edition, as opposed to in the past, but the storm herald really drives it home even more. Uh, that's where they get their power from is from nature. Are they getting it from like weather or from the land itself? It's not plants and shit, right? It's from their environment.
2: Okay, it is like specifically the location that they're yeah.
0: In. They tap into the forces of nature.
1: All right, yeah, okay. So there's like I said, there's the three. Uh, there's C. Tundra and Desert, and actually you can change these every time you level. If you want to start with the sea, great. The next time you level, now you're not in the sea anymore, maybe it's not as useful. You're in the desert, you can oh, okay. pick so, that one now.
2: So it's not like Natural Explore Druid Circle. It's not like where you come from, it's where you are now. To a point. Okay.
1: Again, every time you level up, you can change it.
2: Yeah, but I mean, yes. But if you go from pirate campaign to arctic campaign then you can, yeah. you can change that flavor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 But, like, you can't for a natural explorer. No, it's not like... No, you're
1: stuck with it. Yeah, yeah it's not like, oh, well, we've got to the mountain pass now. I better pick the tundra. Uh, you know, it's not... No, 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 no. you still have to level, and then... Yeah, you got to get to that yep. threshold, right? Uh, the first ability they get is gained at level three called Storm Aura. Now, this effect is only going to happen when they're raging Uh, it extends 10 feet in every direction but the interesting thing i thought about this was it doesn't go through total cover so it kind of gives you a sense that you can be shielded from the storm uh you're not necessarily
2: that's a cool flavor i didn't pick that up when i heard about it like i I knew that doesn't go through total cover thing but i just figured it doesn't go around corners
1: I, sure, but I mean, there there's some reprieve from the storm. It really, to me anyways, uh, gives it a little more flavor. Yeah, little...
2: you've, your rage is a hurricane.
1: Yeah, and you don't want to get caught in it, right? But, you, you know, there's some relief. Uh, now, you can... And that's, and that's what I want. I want to go
2: lie at Storm Herald so that you, I can rock you like a hurricane. Stop. Okay.
1: <laughs> get out. <laughs> uh, so this is a bonus action you could have uh, gone rock gnome too that been <laughs> <I point>. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off <laughs> <laughs> to trigger the storm warriors bonus action it extends 10 feet in every direction uh and if the effect that it conjures requires a saving throw. Uh, it's eight plus your proficiency plus your constitution. So it can actually build up pretty good. Yep. Uh, so like I said, you have to choose one of the environments, desert, sea, or tundra. The desert storm aura creates an aura, and creatures within it take two fire damage. Uh per round, right? As long as they're in it. Now this increases to 3 damage at 5th level, 4 at 10th, 5 at 15th, and 6 at 20th. So it's a good way to do a little extra damage if you are... If you've chosen the Desert Aura and you're somewhere in the cold where cold creatures
0: will take double, I mean, you can potentially be stacking on a little bit of damage. Where I hate this is if you are fighting another medium-sized creature and your rogue is in the party... You are not gaining flanks. Your rogue is avoiding the hell out of you if you've got this aura active. Oh, yeah, because they're going be be to be subjected, well. subjected to I it. I really as well.
2: feel like this really promotes the use of a battle map.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, this is. I chose the desert for mine, yeah. and we don't, and it's been working out okay. Yeah, although you have caught friendly fire more than once. It's worked out well because there was another barbarian, so it kind of does damage to him, which keeps his. Rage, is rage going, going. so yeah. it, it's not been the it's worst thing. A different in the world. version
0: of a death uh, spiral. <laughs> you're just your both, both your auras are just keeping you each other awake. Oh, well, stop it! Oh, uh, stop it! Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's
2: that's two barbarians with auras, or two barbarians with a long time.
1: Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next environment was C. Uh, what you can do is you can choose a creature that you can see. Yep, yeah, so, yep, so, yep. So I right get here, it. Yep, uh, that's funny. That's in your aura and it has to make a deck save. Uh, on a failed save, it takes 1d6 lightning damage. On a successful save, it takes half the damage. Now that increases to 2d6 at 10th level. 3 at
0: 15th and 4 at 20th. So what this is, in my mind, just the way I envision it, is the static electricity barbarian he's who got, enters his got, rage and his fast movement by dragging his feet along the ground, and he's just... Nah!
2: <laughs> he shake carpet shoes.
0: yeah. he's yeah. <laughs> like,
1: just shocking you with his finger. Yeah. Yes.
2: <laughs> I know. I made a barbarian, a halfling barbarian, a long time ago that was a path of the the bear totem, because of course he was. Yeah. Um, but his... Uh, I w- His name was Grisp, and I really wish that he'd been this so he could have been Shocking Grisp. I
0: I would have, yeah. yeah. Uh, I approve of that pun. That that pun tickles me. I don't appreciate you. I know. Good. <laughs> uh, and, th- th- I mean, that's
1: really all you get out of the, the Sea Storm Aura. The Tundra Aura, uh, each creature of your choice in your area, gains two temporary hit points. Uh, this, again, builds up to 3 at 5th level, 4 at 10th, 5 at 15th, and 6 at 20th.
0: I have a couple of problems with Tundra. You are featuring fire damage in an aura, lightning damage in an aura. And Tundra doesn't do and, cold. And, and Tundra doesn't do cold. No, it heals. And oh yeah, you can also choose who in your aura is affected. The other two auras you can't choose. It's everybody in it. oh no In the sea, you choose a creature you can see in your aura. I guess that's true, yeah. So, but like... Look, this is just another example of the barbarian. It's not just a
2: barbarian. There are many subclasses among among all 13 of them. There are many that allow you to choose the specific flavor within an ability as well yeah think of the bear totem or the elk or the wolf or beast the beast master right the beast that's yeah. right battle master the battle master like you choose the different things this is another example of it so you can flavor it the way that you want I'm okay with it you're right thematically it doesn't really make sense but we're still talking about the first power here that and this you this is still level 3 yeah, yeah this is level 3 we're still talking about it because there's just a shit ton of options available and no two will be the same yeah and I'm okay with that, you know. I think Tundra gets better later. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think so. Do
2: you have to thematically stick with Tundra, Tundra, Tundra all the way through? Like,
1: yeah, your your abilities are going to be based off of which environment, and the only time you can change that environment is again. But but you level. you can't choose
2: this environment for third or this environment for six. No, this, you can't. So you're no. just locked in. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Cool. The next ability you get is Storm Soul at 6th level. Uh, this grants benefits when the aura isn't active. So again, the aura is active when you rage. This is an effect... It's more passive, yeah, okay. Uh, the first one, again, is Desert. You gain resistance to fire damage. Extreme heat has no effect on you. And as an action, you can touch a flammable item that isn't being worn or carried and set it on fire.
2: Let's just produce flame. But, like, as a touch attack. The powerful thing there is the resistance. It is, but also being able to just like like the drapes on fire and walk away.
0: Well, the other thing is also the extreme heat. <laughs> yeah, really, you can
2: walk around the fire plane or the plane of fire or a, without gain,
0: without having to worry about exhaustion levels. That's huge. Yeah. I like the idea of
1: and I think they kind of squash it, but it says as an action you can light things on fire. I like the idea of maybe fudge it a little bit, make some magic, change a rule. So that you can do it as maybe a bonus action, so that you can hold that javelin, set it on fire, and throw it.
2: I don't know why you don't just set it on fire as you roll initiative, right? When you know that you can hear the kobolds coming, and the DM says roll initiative, and and the rogue turns to the DM and says, "Can I hide first? And there's like, yeah, sure, that's fine. Then I'm going to light this javelin on fire. Yeah, you could.
1: You know, there's obviously some wiggle room played as you want it, but that's kind of what
2: I... I just don't want... I think that you're going to mess with the action economy too much if you if you do that. I know what you're saying.
0: I love the idea of the flaming javelin. Um, good name for a bar, by the way. I, I actually like it more as an action um, because your ability to turn into a barbarian rage, activate your barbarian rage, is a bonus action itself. So if your first round of combat is going to be picking up this thing and throwing it, um, I mean, that's cool, uh, but you're waiting another turn to get your Barbarian Rage going, and you should be hitting that Rage right out of the gate. Yep, I see what you mean. I don't know. It... Barbarians, more than other classes, I feel, suffer from way too many options in the bonus action category. <laughs> Come talk to me when we're discussing Rogues. Well, Rogues rogues are bad, too, but like Barbarians, you go Great Weapon Master with Barbarian, because of course you do. Um, you have your bonus action attack, you have your option to rage, you have whatever bonus action ability you have from your subclass, you have your uh, possible additional attacks, like you are swamped with bonus actions as it is with a barbarian. I don't see options as being bad. I don't see options being bad, uh, but some of them are vital to maintain your your ability to keep up with, you know, the wizards and the... And the you know, clerics and paladins and yeah, you know. but I think it just it it adds an
2: additional dimension to it because wizards look at what spell am I casting, what spell am I casting, what spell am I casting, and they they've got major damage output and they're do, they're stepping between worlds and yep. they outclass barbarians by sheer flavor in that regard right. Barbarians have actions and those actions are I hit I hit I hit right and that can seem really boring to a player so having a shit ton of bonus actions. Really pays off, especially when you've been playing a barbarian for 17 sessions in a row. Yeah. Right. You where you want that little bit of of uh, option. Right. You want to try something just a little bit different. I, so I don't mind this at all. I think this this is a good thing for players to have more agency. And yes, you want to keep the rage up and or you want to be able to trigger the rage or whatever it is. But that's fine. That's a choice you have to make. The same way that a wizard has to make a choice between a 7th level spell slot or a 4th. Yeah. Which one are they blowing? It's the same thing,
0: right? Like, you just have different pools of shit you're managing. Yeah. Then that's okay. Yep. No, I'm I'm with you. I also like that this is not necessarily... Like, the Storm Soul itself is not necessarily dependent on you being in a rage. Like, these are just full bonuses
1: yeah they're passive
0: yeah Yeah. what what are the other ones that was just desert right? yeah that was
1: just desert see you get resistance to lightning you can breathe underwater and you gain a swim speed of 30
0: feet amazing i love this oh
2: the swim speed of 30 feet cls can talk to you yes we talked about this in the elf episode if you have a swim speed they can just inherently talk to you
0: oh yes yeah Yeah. yep yeah interesting i mean weird weird right they also speak common and so do you but
2: yeah but like they can sit there and just kind of uh, and it's like Simple ideas through movements and whatnot, so it's kind of interpretive dance. But sea I love the I love the idea that hey, I've we've had a long rest. I feel slightly stronger now because I've leveled, and the sea elf is just like oh oh hey hey and like thieves cants at you right like that really subtle thing that you understand. Okay.
0: Does thieves cants and druidic ever really pop up in your guys' campaign as much? Yeah, my- yeah, It uh, yeah. I see thieves can't a lot. Okay, I I. These can't I see, but it's mostly, like, military hand signals of when to go when you're stealthing into a building or something. But I very rarely see druidic pop up in my campaigns. I don't see very many druids, and that's
2: the problem. So, anyways,
1: Dave? Uh, The last one is Tundra. They get resistance to cold. They don't suffer effects of extreme cold. Uh, and as an action, they can touch water and turn a five-foot cube into ice for one minute. But this fails if a creature is in the cube. So you can't just be all like, hey, you're not going anywhere. This is the shape water
0: cantrip.
2: Yeah, but you also get resistance to cold, which is good. This is fine, especially if you're healing things as well. I like this more. Now, Like it, it makes a little bit more sense than just cold damage here and resistance to cold damage here so
0: i i would view this as the flavor of your character you know you guys just got out of a fight and your barbarians got bruised up a little bit and he you know the bruise on his arm starting to swell so he sticks his hand in the puddle turns it to ice and just holds it up against his arm (laughs) i like it yeah
1: yeah uh the next ability they get at 10th level is called shielding storm this is kind of neat uh it doesn't give each environment a different one. What it does is creatures of your choice within your aura gain the damage resistance you gained from Storm Soul. So if you are desert, people in your aura get fire resistance. If you're sea, they get lightning resistance. If it's tundra, they get cold resistance. So at that level, everyone's hugging the paladin and the barbarian at the same time. Yeah, as, as a DM, this makes you just shake my head.
2: It's just more powerful. You can't hit anybody at 10th level two. Like, fuck. You know, I'm just I'm just dropping Tarasks on you by twelfth level to try to do damage.
1: Yeah, I like this more for when you're going through the desert and you have that extreme heat and everybody's gotta crowd up just to not be affected by it.
2: Yeah, I but I see that most parties are gonna use this against breath weapons and anything else. Right. They're not gonna think about the exploration side of it so much as they will the combat side is my point. And so, as a DM, I'm thinking, what, what, the, what the shit do I do with this? I guess I guess it's not going to be lightning this time. Uh, poison, here it comes. <laughs> I, I guess, how, how, many, how many creatures have acid attacks? Because that's what I'm leaning on.
1: I mean, it's easy, though, as a DM, to get over fire, cold, and lightning damage. There's more than just those. Everything, everything, everything is all about
2: fire in 5th edition. There's more fire than anything else. Sure,
1: but it doesn't have to be.
2: No, I know that. But my point is that by the end of the 20th level campaign, you've tapped all your resources. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: Okay, what else we got? Uh, At 14th level, they get Raging Storm. Uh, Again, it's based on the environment that you get in the Storm Aura Desert. Immediately after being hit by a creature in your aura, you can use your reaction to force a creature to make a dex save. On a failed save, that creature takes damage equal to half your barbarian level. Minimum
0: seven. Pretty much. Yep. Maximum ten. Yep, right? This is this, your guy walking into that army of kobolds saying, Just hit me, please. Just just do it. Yeah. It's just it, like watching them like erupt into flame as he walks by them. <laughs> just a trail of flame <laughs> behind him. You, you know, know take candle. Through. You are the candle, bitch. Just like walking through.
1: Uh, for the sea environment... When you hit a creature in your aura with an attack, you can use your reaction to force the creature to make a strength save on a fail it is knocked prone as if struck by a wave. Pretty straightforward.
2: Yep, I like that. You're also doing lightning damage when you hit with with your aura as well, right? Yes. So all of that's cool. You get hit by lightning and you fall down.
1: Yep. Uh, And for Tundra, when the effect of your storm aura is activated, you can choose one creature in the aura that you can see. The creature must succeed on a strength saving throw, or its speed is reduced to zero until the start of your next turn as Magical Frost covers it.
0: Okay. S- still no cold damage, but yeah, okay. Yeah, Stay where you are.
1: Yep. But I like that. It's not... It Not every single one of them has to be damage, damage, damage. It no, and be- I, no, I'm with you. I understand. Um, I, I really like the Tundra one. I do. I like the Desert one the best. So it's, it seems to be the most applicable. Yeah.
2: I like the storm one just because the sea. Uh, yeah, but but I mean, which is all storms and lightnings and I I, I like it because it's weather, right? And yeah. I just I don't know. I like all the weather so how many times do I talk about weather on this podcast? Just
0: many, many, many times. Yeah, whether we want you to or not. So
2: anyways, was there anything else that we want to cover in these?
0: Um no man, like these like, are all solid options. They're solid options. Like barbarians and xanathars have a good showing yeah right there there are some real stinkers in this book none of them are barbarians like the barbarian each three of them i could see myself playing the hell out of like i love each one of these things
1: yeah i'm with you
0: there well you two are the two
1: when
2: someone says barbarian it's you two i think of right because you guys wear loincloths and smell
0: oh yeah 24 7
2: yeah yeah Yeah. am i doing it wrong but um, so it doesn't surprise me that you guys are all gung ho about it. I think that both of you were gonna raise your nose when it comes time to, to do a druid episode.
0: <laughs> but um, <laughs> wait, druid? You mean a not angry barbarian? Ah, I don't like this. <laughs>
2: um, but no, I I have I always thought barbarians were boring. Three point five was bar, was boring barbarians. Fifth ed has fixed that for me especially Xanathar's. Yeah. With the totems and the tattoos and the superstitions. and. Well, and that all... Dave, Dave's about to argue with me. I,
1: I disagree wholeheartedly. Uh, um, you would. Let's but, go. But, I mean, that's... that's. No, come on. Seriously. So 3.5, I think, in order to maximize the barbarian, you have to get into combat maneuvers. And if you can it's keep all doing... all feats. Not all... Not, no, not necessarily. I'm talking, like, bull rush, stun, that kind of thing. Combat maneuvers. Not just feats. If you can work those into the combat... If you can work those into combat, you will have a lot of fun with the Barbarian because you can do more than power attack, right?
2: Yeah, whereas in 5th edition, you have to hit and do damage to maintain. Yeah. Right? So if you're under level 5, you don't have two attacks, you can't grapple while you are raging. I mean, you can. Sure, go nuts. But you'll lose your rage. Mm-hmm. Right? So, Um I don't know. I'm just... I do like Fifth Edition better, but I don't know. Three point five was the base barbarian was boring. You had to think inside the box
1: to make it work.
0: Yeah, I agree. And they made, made them far, more, in stream, uh, uh, far
1: more streamlined. Yeah, edition. but I mean that's Fifth Edition in a nutshell. It really thats is. why I like Fifth Edition. Yes. Yep.
2: Right? Yeah. yeah we're, we're all we're all on the same page. So um, I guess I'm going to do a really quick shout out, um, unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about. So okay. Um, Really quickly, I know I've been saying it now for a couple of weeks, but we had a great year one, and it was phenomenal. It was the last time I'm going to talk about it, everybody can calm down. But I was really, really, really happy with how year one turned out, and um, I know Dan, you're the same way. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, and Terry feels the same way, even though he's been on vacation for four weeks now. <laughs> um, so. Uh, after this after the first year we said you know what do we want to do differently one of the things that we want to do is talk a whole lot less about our friends and talk a whole lot more about yours and so we want you guys to write into info at itsamimic.com and let us know who deserves to be shouted out on this podcast who do you think um really exemplifies uh D, &D or inspiration or just one of your players is having a birthday or so-and-so is getting married and we wanted to give him a shout out or hey look at this phenomenal cake that crystal made right and and uh and we'll throw up a picture of it on on the instagram as well right so we want to be we want to hear more from the um from the community because this is all about the community. It's why we're not sitting here talking to ourselves. We're talking to you. And we want to hear you guys talk back. So thank you for everyone who's commenting on our stuff. Thank you for everyone that's donating through the website. <laughs> Honestly, we want to hear more from you as well. And we want to find out what inspires you, what's going on in your games. So send us messages. Because I guarantee that one of us will check it. <laughs> and we will... Uh, we will. Uh, randomly roll on a weekly basis to see who's gonna make it, um, onto that episode. Now, we do record a few weeks in advance, so start thinking a little ahead, but we really, really do appreciate you guys. We wanna hear more from you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so, uh, that's, uh, that's kind of it. Our shout out for the last three weeks and moving forward is gonna be you guys, because the best part of our week is hearing what you guys have to say. So, anyways, let's, let's jump on back to the, uh, To the uh, main show. Yeah, so creative builds.
0: Shall we roll? Yes. Sure. And this is. Wow. Wow. Here's your dice that you just threw at me, Adam. (laughs) 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 Here's your dice that you threw at me a second time, Adam. Oh, you. Yeah, thanks for knocking my seven into a natural 20. I I got a natural one. And I took your seven. Yeah, okay. So for me. Remember how earlier I was talking about the ancestral guardians and saying they don't necessarily have to be part of your tribe or, or whatnot. They could be. No, I wasn't listening. Yeah, oh, well, you guys are fantastic people, and I love and adore you both so much. And I'm so glad that you're part of my life. Uh, I wanted to play with that idea, and um, I also have been doing a lot of reading into uh, Greek mythology and whatnot again recently just as the inspiration struck me. And uh, the idea of uh, the Minotaur being, or Minotaur being, the protector of the Labyrinth really uh, stuck with me. And I was like, okay, well, how about playing a Minotaur Barbarian who is a path of uh, the Ancestral Guardian? And the Guardians and the Ancestral Guardians that he's producing are the former... um, the former guards of this labyrinth, which of course has that item of power in the middle that, uh, he must protect. And the reason why you play this character is he's out from the labyrinth learning and growing as, uh, to be the ultimate protector of this thing with the advice of all those around him. Um, I would say he's got carved horns instead of tattoos and, and, uh, Sacred rings and and whatnot hanging uh, he's, off. Oh, of he's air. got different nose rings for different things. Yeah, right. <laughs> like and, and he's just huge and imposing, uh, but he's relatively quiet. Uh, you excuse give, me a moment, while I change my nipple rings. You give him, you give him like keen mind, just so he o- always knows north, because apparently minotaurs can't do that anymore. Um, and you just have him constantly being informed as to the things to grow. Uh, and, or the ways to grow as a uh, from the previous ancestral forms. Like, there is an acid pit that you haven't seen inside the labyrinth. Uh, so, you need to experience what, you know, a harsh acid is like. So, go towards this and experience what this pain is like, just so you know. Right? And this is what the ancestral guardians are kind of pushing him towards so that he can be the best protector of this labyrinth ever
2: i like that to a degree but instead of looking at the my future as a protector and whatnot i want to take and look take a look at it from the past and you're one of the many minotaurs that have been freed from the labyrinth capital t capital l yep because the treasure at the middle was taken and you and all of your brethren are out in the world looking for where this went and you have no clues you have no idea where to start this is a plot hook for the dm to play with um, I so I really like that, and the the ancestral guardians are are your guides, and it's you trying to put together the pieces of um, of what's happened in the past. This is not the first time that it's gone missing, and the people that you summon are the people that have found it in the past.
0: Yeah, or or you are trying to sort through what guardians are coming out to no. find the people that know. It's kind of a uh, what's the movie Split. Um oh yeah yeah
2: where James McAvoy has all the twenty three All these
0: personalities, it's just you don't have multiple personality disorder. You just have all these ancestral guardians, you're like, no, not you, no, not you. Swipe left, swipe left, swipe left, swipe left. Try to find the guardian that knows the information you need. Ooh, dog picture, swipe right. <laughs> so So uh that that's my um Boltender uh Barbarian. What 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 you got? Okay, so I was next. Oh, yeah.
2: Um, and I the Barbarian that I want to do is I've been looking a lot into backgrounds. I feel like we just never talk about them, and they can be really freaking cool. I want to go with the gladiator. So the entertainer background, but specifically gladiator. And for the zealot, this zealot is a zealot that cannot die. She is the only one that believes in her god in this entire country. And as a reward, the god keeps her from death. And so she's been enslaved, and she has been fighting in the gladiatorial pits. And even when she loses, she gets dragged out, and then the healers, the clerics, will bring her back to life. And she keeps fighting again, and everyone is shocked and appalled at, what is this crazy magic, the warrior, she who cannot be killed. Yeah. And so at the right before the campaign uh, begins, the gladiatorial pits are shut down. And now what does she do? But she already comes with this renown of she who cannot be killed, and I really like the idea of um, of the gladiator background. And so this barbarian very much has a, 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 a gladius, um, yeah, and a, a like a for, net uh, for the sword, or and yeah, it has a net or a, just like a bronze shield
0: as well that, that they carry around. Make them a triton, give them a trident. <laughs> No, Which I know. Which is a very gladiatorial arena weapon in my mind. It is, but I, I can see a lot
2: of spears and and I think it just makes a lot of sense for the martial weapons in, in the arena as well that, that they would be proficient with that you get as a barbarian. Yep. As well as the ability to rage for short periods of time and because that's what it was. You get yourself psyched up and you run into the arena and you and it takes less than a minute. You've never been in a real fight? They're over quick. One way or the other, right? Um so this is this would happen very quickly. It's not the ten minute um action sequence that you see in the movies. It's someone gets hit in the calf, they fall to their knee, and now their head's lopped off. Right? That's how real gladi- uh, gladiators worked, right? And so she just keeps on her head has been lopped off three times. But Revivify exists in in the hallways underneath, and she keeps coming back. Right? <laughs> or, or she's pierced by 17 arrows and is just still stomping around, right? Like, I just love the idea of of the woman that will not fall down. She just keeps fucking going, and she's just a, a monster, a beast uh, of battle. And I just think that's, that's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, the one I was going to go with was actually one that I'm playing. I really like my Triton Storm Herald. Uh, she gets... Uh, cold resistance from being a triton she gets uh fire resistance from being a storm herald it makes it really difficult for the dm really to do meaning- difficult yeah to do meaningful damage to her uh she stays up longer um she can take more hits because they're only doing half damage
0: yeah if that right uh, it just uh, that was you know you had all that on top of your rage which you know you take half damage from all mundane damaging sources and yeah
1: yeah, it just it it really stood out to me as a really easy way to maybe double dip on the the health and the and the resistances,
2: resistances and and whatnot. Yeah, she's a pain in the ass trying to damage. As a matter of fact, it, the last time that we played, uh, we had one care one player that wasn't there uh we had one character that was dragged towards a bottomless pit and nearly thrown in we had one character die one character reduced to eight hit points and one character get mind fucked up by creatures and then and we're trying to rescue another character's ghost right the only person that was damage free took zero damage was was this this triton barbarian that Dave played Fletherin and she is absolutely just a, a monster. She punched a gibbering mother to death.
1: Oh and, yeah,
0: she's great. Like, she, and took no she damage. Cannot be yeah. hit. Yeah. Huh? It's wonderful. Yeah. So there, there it is. Yeah, we had a we had a massive. I mean, not playing a barbarian, but we had a massive uh, fight with uh, like sub, like just sub big bad evil guy at the end of the campaign level bosses. Um, in our Sunday sessions because we're wrapping things up and massive battle with like C R twenty five thing and C R seventeen thing. And uh, I took zero points of damage. There's a certain there's a certain swagger you get walking away from. Yeah, me. but you were level eighteen. She is level nine. Yeah. No, I and that's impressive
2: at level nine. Yeah, and so and you guys were fighting some big baddies too. Like that was you and Where I didn't notice. And you split the damn party three uh five three. ways. Uh, there's y- one outside yeah. and one dead in the attic. Yeah. So like it's a big party. You had to split five ways. The most people um, that were in a room at any given time were two. Oh, good. And and oh, yeah. And
1: well done. She had her hands full. And of course, I oh, was no jibbering mouther. Yeah. yeah. So you no know, weapons. So it's just all. all fisticuffs.
2: Yeah. Cool. And so, but she was. She was a lot. Of, she was a lot of fun.
1: Power eating the kisser. Powering the kisser because
2: the gibbering mother. It, yeah. There's there's kissers everywhere. Yeah. 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 But um. No. She definitely. The other barbarian died. The minotaur barbarian died. Mm-hmm. And and she didn't even take damage. And this is this is why I think that uh, that the freaking storm herald is a little bit op. The same way that the um the bear totem is.
1: It can be if you. If you stack, stack it up the right. right stuff, yeah. Yeah. If,
2: yeah. In the right circumstances,
1: you are laughing your ass off, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so that's it for this week's episode on Barbarians. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at www.itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast and make sure to check us out next week when we're changing our monster episodes to focus on high-level monsters that players might fight. And the first episode is on monstrosities.
2: Thanks, Dave. You did a hell of a job there.
0: We have just wrapped up talking about barbarians for the second time around, and one of the things that we have brought up several times throughout this episode is the fact that barbarians—they tend to follow almost cult-like levels. And I was reading about R- really the zealot. What was your first clue? Or the ancestral guardian kind of has weird culty feels to it. The storm, uh, the storm herald definitely has some like tempest culty feels to it. So. Um, I got to reading a small article, kind of a sneak peek into From Scientology. Like, where are you going with this? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. no, no. Uh, into uh, the harmless cults of Wild Mount, which is the new Matt Mercer book that's coming out. And it got me thinking. All right, guys, completely, maybe not entirely harmless cults. If you were to throw one in your games, what would be the deal? Oh, we roll in the harmless cults for this one? Yeah but my my initial instinct by the way was the cult of the hangnail. Where it's just No no no, roll the dice okay, and then we'll right. talk about it. Yeah. I got an 11. I got a 10. I got a 2. Okay. <laughs> so for for me, I, I I really like the cults that are just they're religiously drawn to provide and they're just kind of creepy. So I, I it's like going to a diner in the in the Bible Belt in the South. And you just go in there, and they just kind of hand you pamphlets along with your meal about, like... There
2: is one that I went to, a a cult diner. A
0: cult that you went to?
2: Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Like, seriously, a cult diner that... Oh, we built this place from the ground up all the... We did our own wiring, and we forged the metal ourselves. Everything here is farm-to-table from our farm within the last three yeah. days. And th- the way that they look at you, their eyes aren't pointed in the same direction. They're no. like... They, one eye is kind of just drifting slowly to the left. And they seem to be looking both through you and at your naked body at the same time, right? Yeah. Like it is Just feel uncomfortable. gross. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so what I would do is I I would legit have one of those in the game where they're just giving you food. But you got to look at the food a second time just to make sure there are no, like, I don't know, black worms wiggling through it that are going to take over your mind the second you see, can see that's right. harmful,
2: Dan. I know. That is a harmful cult. no,
0: no. They don't, but, but they don't do this. They are just they are they are authentically just sweet, caring, hospitable people. They're just creepy as shit.
2: Yeah, okay. It, it, it's like it's like the boils from uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine.
0: Exactly like the boils in Brooklyn Nine Nine. <laughs> <laughs> that entire family, like everyone is wearing sweater vests. Just everyone. The cult of sweater vests. Yeah. No, okay. <sighs> but look, see.
2: Yeah, okay. My answer was going to be just the cult of the hangnail. And and the only thing that they do is if they notice you have a hangnail, they grab it and they try to rip that fucker off. See, that's harmful. <laughs> but it is it stings for like five seconds and it's invasive as all hell. But, but they just they just can't handle a loose cuticle. Cuticle? Cuticle? Cuticle, yeah. yeah. No, no, they they absolutely, they absolutely can't. And and it would just be like it's an affront to the gods that you're trying to grow additional fingers. <laughs>
0: And, I love these guys. And, and, and That's
2: it. And they're just totally it's but it's an entire village of this. Right? Like th- it's a commune that has cropped up and you've just got to pass your way through it. And uh, and they're like <laughs> everyone just has like a a pair of like like nail clippers hanging off their belt. And nobody mentioned pair of pliers or, or pliers. Jesus. <laughs> the, but the children aren't allowed to sharp objects so they have to use their teeth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like you're just like walking through the bazaar, and like you feel a tug on your hand to look down, and there's just some like seven year old like street rat gnawing on your hand. It's like get off. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and you don't realize what's happening at first, and then you go and they've got their
2: like weekly ritual, their whatever, their their sermon, um, and it goes on and on about cleanliness and hygiene. And it seems really normal and sure enough, this is a clean, normal place. And we we've discovered that uh, Farmer Bob's son was caught with. They sin, and they drag him up in chains, and they sit there and they look, look upon his sin, and they hold up his fingers. Got a hangnail, and then, and then they grab the pliers and just like needle nose pliers, and just start to like slowly twist the needle, just, just oh,
1: peeling yeah, it down oh.
0: the finger. No, no, see, see this, this is this is uncomfortable for me, and clearly for Dave as well, who has turned his chair and like gone fetal. Dave, it's just a hangnail, Dave. It's just a hangnail, but like. Peeled all the way up past the third knuckle. Yeah. Oh, like. Oh. Yeah. There was like a meme that was that before. It's like you know you start pulling on the hangnail and you pull it a little more, pull it a little more. And it's just this like tunnel down your or, or uh, uh, like a river almost, like a river down your hand or, or or what is it called the the trench, a trench down your finger. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I'm. This is that. Honestly, could, honestly
2: I liked the call to the hangnail and I didn't realize how disturbing it would be because I just. I just opened my mouth and that came out. Okay. Dave. Dave and then you gave me time Dave, to Dave, no, save this, please. Save this. No,
1: you hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Dave is a cult of the goat.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just a cult of Baphomet then? or
1: uh, like, like, I'm prone to it. I mean, it's wintertime. Like... My hands are dry. You're still out. on the fingernail thing? Yeah, yeah, no, hangnail, not fingernail. It's different. <laughs> like, you should, fingernail, yeah, pull them out, great, fine, whatever. Stick stuff underneath them, yeah, great, whatever. But no, St- stop it. You're a <laughs> like
0: bad man. Stick stuff underneath your fingernails, you're fine. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah, but, whatever. But like pulling a hangnail. The,
1: the peeling, like, no, fuck off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you have a weird. Adam, I'm gonna emphasize Adam, this. Adam, <laughs> <laughs> harmless cult. And trust me, we do not want to give that man the power of a cult.
2: Uh, I already have a movement going on against freaking um, pumpkin spice lattes. You really do? Yeah, there's like 15 of us now. Wow. Yeah, it grows. It's crazy. Uh, I, I also mean, I
0: like was... pumpkins. They also grow like crazy. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Gourd one, Dan.
0: <laughs> uh, I was I was actually because thinking... pumpkins are kind of like gourds. Yeah. Okay, you're okay. squashing the joke now. Continue, Dave.
2: <laughs> Dave's been defeated.
1: (laughs) Uh, I immediately went to, and you kind of, like, stole it before I could say anything, was the the cult of hygiene. Like, I mean, D&D, it's a dirty, gritty world, right? The the fact that there's people just, like, watching you whenever you, like, leave the bar drunk at 2 a.m. with the rest of your party, or not, or... Uh, when you get back to the city after adventuring, and they're just like sitting there, and they just want to scrub you. I mean, it's harmless; they're not doing anything. I
2: love that they like kidnap you in the middle of the night. They throw an anti magic field down, wrap you up in ropes, and drag you to their church for the cleansing. Yeah, I mean, it's just, just clean you. Yeah. it's just a bath. It's yeah, just you, a bath. You
1: could it's a, a, have a experience. positive experience yeah. waking up in a bathtub. <laughs>
0: There's, like, religious iconography all over the walls, and you're just, you know, sitting there nervous as hell, and they come out with the blessed brush. <laughs> I love it. It's Grand Chancellor Bubbles. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, I like it. It's cool. good. Cool.
0: Thank
1: you for listening to an It's a Mimic production.
2: <laughs> okay, you're done. <laughs>